the last few months have been hard. A global pandemic has changed the way we live and interact with each other. Many of us have been feeling isolated and alone. So in this brand new season of the StoryCorps podcast from NPR, we're bringing you stories from our archive that celebrate moments of connection between everyday people around the country. Conversations that give us hope, inspiration, and comfort. I'm your host, Jasmine Morris, and in this episode, stories about compassion and kindness. First, you'll hear from a man in San Francisco who, at the age of 46, started following a simple weekly routine. Every Tuesday, he would fill a shopping cart with groceries at the local food bank and make home deliveries to the elderly and disabled neighbors in his low-income housing complex. When I first started doing it, people was cautious. They didn't let me in a house, period. But after they got to really know me, they'd be happy to see me, and I'd be happy to see them, too. That's Herman Travis. And in 2014, he sat down at StoryCorps with his friend and neighbor, Robert Cochran, one of the people he delivered groceries to. You can hear the shopping cart coming down the sidewalk. My wife will say, Bobby, here come Herman. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing thing is how he load that shopping cart up and push it up that hill. I got it all down packed. But you always do it with a smile. <laughs> I sometimes sit back and watch you. And I see the way that you handle yourself with the residents. They know they treat it with respect, respect when they see you coming. And there are people in other complex <laughs> that have been trying to steal Herman for years to pay him to come and deliver their food for him. Oh, yeah. We know, <laughs> but we're a close-knit bunch. You know, it, it's the little thing that you do day in and day out that I admired for the last eight years. I don't think that you can find a better person to be friend with. Thank you. I'm doing something that people really need, and that made me feel really good. So long as I got breath in my body, I'm gonna continue doing it. I sleep good at night. That's Herman Travis with his friend and neighbor, Robert Cochran, at StoryCorps in San Francisco. Herman delivered groceries to his neighbors for 14 years, but he's now 60 himself. And so we finally stopped just last year. Our next story takes place just a short drive away from the housing complex where Herman and Robert live. In 2013, longtime friends Maurice Rowland and Miguel Alvarez were working together at a nursing home in Castro Valley, California. Maurice was a cook, and Miguel was a janitor. One morning, they showed up for work, only to find out the company that managed the home had suddenly shut it down, abandoning many of the elderly residents still in the building. The staff stopped being paid, so the majority of them left, except for Maurice and Miguel. There was about 16 residents left behind, and we had a conversation in the kitchen, what are we going to do? If we left, they wouldn't have nobody. We were just the cook and the janitor, but I was cleaning people up, helping them take a bath. I was passing out meds. My original position was the cook, but we had like people that had dementia. 
I just couldn't see myself going home. Next thing you know, they're in the kitchen trying to cook their own food and burn the place down. You know what I mean? I'll only go home for one hour, take a shower, get dressed. Didn't be there for 24-hour days. There are people up three in the morning, walking around and... Yeah, you couldn't go to sleep. I'll bring movies from my house. Let's watch this at three, four in the morning. Then they'll go to sleep. Even though they wasn't our family, they were kind of like our family for the short period of time. You know, you feel sad, but you don't want to show them you feeling like that, you know? My parents, when they were younger, they left me abandoned. And knowing how they're going to feel, I didn't want them to go through that. I think you're pretty strong for sticking in there. You too, Maurice. If I would have left, I think that would have been on my conscience for a very long time. That's Maurice Rowland with his friend Miguel Alvarez in Hayward, California. They took care of the residents for three days until the fire department and the sheriff took over the situation. This case helped the state of California pass legislation to protect residents from being abandoned when a care facility is shut down. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay with us. Hi, this is Dave Isay, founder of StoryCorps. This message comes from NPR sponsor Morgan Stanley. In turbulent times, perspective matters. Join Mike Wilson, Morgan Stanley's chief investment officer, and his colleagues on the Thoughts on the Market podcast, where they share concise takes on current events and what they could mean for markets and the global economy. For the perspectives you need, subscribe and listen to Morgan Stanley's Thoughts on the Market every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your favorite podcast platform. Face masks have become the new normal as we continue to grapple with the ongoing pandemic. But when did we start wearing masks for our health and safety? This week on Throughline, the origins of the N95 mask and how it became the life-saving tool it is today. Throughline from NPR, the podcast where we go back in time to understand the present. Welcome back. Next, we turn to Ronald Ruiz, who came to the original StoryCorps booth in New York City's Grand Central Terminal back in 2004 to talk about his long career as a bus driver. And the first story he told was about a memorable passenger he picked up one day in the Bronx. I remember one woman in particular, a senior, who had gotten on my bus and she seemed completely lost. I could see she was confused. I don't know whether it it was an illness, but she looked so beautiful for a hot summer day to have her fur on. So I said, "Uh, are you okay? She said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I don't know what restaurant. I'm meeting my friends. I said, you sit in the bus, I'll run in and I'll check each restaurant. The very, very last one on the left, I said, it's got to be this one. So I said, "Uh, stay here, sweetie. It's nice and cool in here. I went in. I said, "Uh, there's a lady in the bus, and she's not sure the restaurant. And I saw a whole bunch of other seniors there, and and, and they said, oh, it's probably her. So I ran back to the bus. I said, oh, sweetie, your restaurant is right here. And I said, no, no, don't move. I grabbed her hand. I remember my right hand grabbed her right hand. I wanted to make her feel special, like it was a limousine. It's a bus. She said she felt like Cinderella. And she said, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer, and today it's the best day of my life. Just because I helped her off the bus, and I never forgot that woman. 
that was Ronald Ruiz, a longtime bus driver from the Bronx, who retired a few years after recording this interview. Our last story comes from Cecily Chambers, a chaplain in Rhode Island who's worked with seniors and hospice patients around the Northeast for over a decade. In 2015, she was regularly visiting seniors at a home for people with memory loss. And as she got to know the residents, she learned that one of the things they loved most was having kids come by to visit. So, of course, she thought about her nine-year-old son, William. What went through your mind when I said, do you want to come to work with me and visit with some seniors? My original thought was, oh, no. You'd rather stay home and play video games? Well, I was a little afraid. Then when I got there, I really liked it. Why did you like it so much? I liked it because they were very thoughtful. They were very accepting. I remember the first day I took you, we sat at this long table, and I was helping feed a resident who couldn't feed herself. And you sat at the end of the table with another resident who just started talking to you, and you just jumped into her world. You didn't try to correct her. She had a baby doll, and she thought the baby doll was real. You didn't say, oh, no, that's just a doll. You just went with her. I think people are free to think whatever they want to think. They don't need to believe in what other people believe in. What have you learned from the residents? I think I learned about the importance of being present and the beauty of just little, small moments. They made me think you should enjoy life as much as you can because it doesn't happen forever. Do you think it was hard to say goodbye to them every day when you know they may die sometime soon? It was hard. There's no doubt about it. Every time I left there, I knew that there was a chance that one of them wouldn't be there when I got back the next week. Do you think that your experience coming to work with me will affect you in the future? You can say no. <laughs> I really do. I think before, I wouldn't think as much about the world and how hard it can be. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the same person. Do you like the person you are today because of that? I really do. Yeah, I think that's really important. I like the person that they've helped me become. That's Cecily Chambers with her nine-year-old son, William, at StoryCorps in Providence, Rhode Island. Four years later, Cecily, who is still working as a hospice chaplain, sat down to record another interview with her son, this time from their home. So, the last time we interviewed each other like this, you were nine, now you're 13. Yeah. And there's a COVID pandemic. It's very scary sometimes when you hear in the news how bad it's getting, but it makes me happy to know that I'm connected to someone who is making the difference and making it better. That's sweet of you to say. Since you work in the medical industry, what is it like dealing through this virus? The structure of my days has changed since COVID. But what's different is just the layer of fear that the patients have and the staff have. So it definitely became a lot harder to keep my work life and my home life separate. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, I try to work harder on having empathy for whatever mood you're in because of how hard your job is. I was thinking too about our friends at the nursing home. Do you remember that last time you were able to come and visit the seniors? I called you my ace in the hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just having you there. They love you so much. 
Do you think in times like this, it's better to be pessimistic or do you think it's better to be optimistic and hope for the best? I am fundamentally optimistic about our world. It's Desmond Tutu that says we are fragile creatures and it's because of this fragility, not despite it, that we are able to find true joy, which is why I say that even in this scary, awful time, there is the possibility of connection. I hope those kinds of lessons people will take from what we're going through right now. And I hope that if we can all get along during this, we can all get along better without this. That's William Chambers with his mom, Cecily Chambers. They recorded their interview using StoryCorps Connect, a new digital platform that allows people to participate in StoryCorps remotely. And while Cecily and William recorded together, safely in their home, many people are using StoryCorps Connect to interview loved ones they can't be with, like 15-year-old Maddie Larson, who recorded with her grandmother, Nancy Fredrickson, even though they live 600 miles away from each other. Thank you for doing this interview with me. I hope it helps you. I've enjoyed it, and you've probably learned a little bit about me. Yes, I learned a lot, actually. Good. I love you, Noni. I love you more. <laughs> love you most. To learn more about how to record your own virtual conversation, head over to storycoreconnect.org. That's all for this episode. It was produced by Judd Esty Kendall and Sylvie Lubau, edited by me, Jasmine Morris. Our technical director is Jarrett Floyd, fact-checking by Natsumi Ajisaka. And special thanks to StoryCorps producers John White, Sarah Kramer, as well as facilitators Yosmai Dalmazo, Geraldine Asu, Naomi Black, and Brett Myers. As always, you can find out what music you just heard by going to our website, storycorps.org. For the StoryCorps Podcast, I'm Jasmine Morris. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by supporters of StoryCorps, an independently funded nonprofit organization and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.